Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. And a moral lesson is told at the end of each episode. One notable episode is one called The Price, in which a boy buys a drug called Spin. He was smoking that Spin. It's Wes. Becomes addicted to it. And dies of an overdose. We need oh, no. more cartoons like that these days for these badass. And Walker. Will these kids die of drugs? Yes, yeah, so they Sounds can learn their lesson and know not to do it. If somebody fictional dies, they'll learn not to do it in okay. non-fiction. You know what I'm saying? And for that it. reason, Marshall Bravestar, Tex-Hex, New Texas is straight. Fire! I had the action figure, Bravestar, but my mom wouldn't let me get tex Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Oh, come on, Mom. Why didn't you do that? You said it was too demonic. Well, maybe it's because a kid died of drugs. Smoking that spin. He was smoking that spin. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. That's teeing off here at the 10th hole at Rolling Hills Country Club. I, that is true. I, I was thinking about this a little bit and then forgot to bring it up, but we can remember when Mac and Bone were broadcasting at the Wells Fargo Championship. They were a little loud and they were a little froggy, a little saucy, as you might say. And they flirted with getting kicked off the course, Wes. Now, it's not that kind of environment. You would have to do something completely reckless to get kicked out of here because we're having fun. As Gerald Henderson said, everybody's lit, so it's not going to be the case here. But, you know, I did think about it. If somebody's in their backswing, I've been trying to bring it down just a little bit if that's the case. I think, though, we need to shoot for that before, you know, we plan to have long careers in this show to grow and to be really, really great. But I think at one point to add to the – the, the legend, the mystique, the lore, we need to get kicked out of the golf course. You want to have that time that Wesson Walker got kicked out of blank. Yep. That's the time that you want to be. Look, shoot for the stars, kids. And maybe one day you, too, can get kicked off a golf course. That's right. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Fitty, he's hogging the mic. He wants to continue to be on the airwaves. So I guess we'll send it back to him. Time now at the Planet Kia Studios for the live wire. Live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. All right, guys. Well, Panthers head coach Frank Wright, he met with the media earlier today, and he was asked if there's any areas on the roster that needs to be upgraded as we head towards final roster cuts and getting down to that 53-man roster and here's how the head coach answered that question other positions you still feel like need significant or any kind of upgrade at that that you're looking at right now no I, i don't i mean you know listen i mean my job is to coach the guys that are there. I mean, you know, I mean, if somebody comes available, if Scott says, hey, this guy or this guy has come available, let's talk about it. You know, I mean, we owe it to the team to, to evaluate every one of those situations. But right now we're locked in on the guys we have and feel good about them. Y'all believe him? 
Um, yeah, I do because I, I feel like what else would he say at that point? What's he going to say? Yeah, we need to get a couple of more linemen and a couple of more linebackers and things of that nature. He's not going to come out and say anything like that, but I'm sure that when cuts are made, uh, they will probably pick up and let go of some guys that maybe they see from other teams that they think could be better than what they have at the position, especially if the offensive line play uh, continues. So I believe him to an extent because that's what he had to say. I mean, where are the other options coming, right? right? I mean, look, this is classic Ron Rivera. The answer is on the roster. And if Scott Fitter decides to go after another offensive lineman, then, yeah, I mean, Frank Reich is too busy. Honestly, I don't know if I want him knowing a ton about the other offensive linemen out there because I want him coaching these guys. I want Scott Fitter to do the GM thing, coach to do the coach thing. I do believe him. Whoever Fitter thinks is a good prospect, enough of a prospect to bring over and possibly help this offensive line, any position group of need, then Scott Fitter will make that decision, and Frank Reich will try to bring the best out of him as much as he possibly can. I believe him. Yeah, I mean, Frank Reich's got a lot. Look, you're implementing a new strategy, a new scheme entirely with this offense. You're working with a rookie QB. Yeah, I'm with you, Wes. I I do think that Frank Reich is telling the truth, and I think that is the process happening over there at Bank of America Stadium. What else you got for us, Fitty? All right. Well, you guys referenced uh, Michael Lombardi's criticism of Frank Reich. That happened last week. Well, he didn't back off again this week on the latest edition of the GM Shuffle podcast. He said, kind of picking back off a topic we had in the 1 o'clock hour, he doesn't think that Frank Reich will have the Panthers ready to go when week one officially gets here. I don't see them being ready to go. I, I like. I think Detroit, they haven't played golf. I think Detroit... Even though they haven't played well, I think Detroit's getting their team ready. I'm not ready to write them off, but I don't see the Panthers, the way their offensive line's playing, getting ready. Like, New England's offensive line isn't playing very good right now, but they're playing a lot of young guys in their offensive line. They got a lot of injuries. When they had Trent Brown at left tackle, they were better. But to me, there's reasons. Sometimes there's reasons. Like, nobody in, in, in Carolina's hurt. Like, they should be playing and running the ball at a high level. Man, Austin Corbett isn't hurt anymore, guys? I mean, what? Come on. I mean, does he got something against Frank? What's going on? Well, you know, do, do, you do know his son was yes. on Matt Rule's staff, and he got mercifully fired because, I don't know, that coaching staff sucked last year. Right. Look, I, I want to nice give him, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt in that he wouldn't allow that to affect what opinion he might have with mm-hmm. the Frank Reich. Because Frank Reich, say what you want about him as an actual football coach, it seems like most people love that dude. Okay? It seems like he's a really nice guy and people like him because he goes for bat goes to bat for his players and he's developed what I think is nothing but good relationships with all of his players. What are you talking about? Like you want to talk about Trent Brown being hurt and that being the excuse for New England's young offensive line. Man Austin Corbett might have been the best offensive lineman for this team last year, and he ain't playing. And you rotated a whole bunch of different guys. If you want to say you'd rather have someone starting with the ones the entire time against the Jets, okay, that's constructive criticism. That's a legitimate gripe. You know what he did? He fixed it by bringing in a higher draft pick than some of these undrafted guys or players that you picked up in free agency. You brought in Zavala, who you invested a fourth-round draft pick in. As soon as he was ready to go, he played every single one of the snaps with the starters on the offensive line. Now we're trying to say that Frank Reich is going to have this team ready to go because the offensive line isn't playing well, and that's Reich's fault, and that they don't have an injury. Yeah, even the backup right guard is coming off of an injury. Wes, make it make sense, because I can't do it. 
Uh, the only thing I can think of is just that, you know, disregarding the score in the preseason, I think when you kind of look at some things and you feel like that the preseason is for getting sharp, the preseason is to get yourself into shape for regular season football and with the way this offensive line, what they're showing thus far, they don't look like they're ready today. And so that's not to say that going off of the final score, that has nothing to do with it. It's just how did this group look when they're in, especially when the crown jewel of this football team is their rookie quarterback. So I would just say in a sense that the offensive line does not look ready just yet, but they've got another opportunity on Friday. The starters are going to play. And so we'll see how it looks then. If it still doesn't look good on Friday night, then I think you got to start worrying a little bit about what it's going to look like come regular season. Because I, and, and, and again, I just want to reiterate, I'm not a guy that's sitting here looking at preseason games for final scores. That's not what I care about. But how do things look? The preseason is for getting those reps to get yourself sharp and ready to go. We can't say that the offensive line looks like they're ready to go yet with the displays that they put up in the first two games. So that's the only credence that I'll lend to what he just said as far as the O-line not looking sharp. The offense has only scored a field goal when you're talking about the starters. And so that's not the type of momentum that you want coming into the regular season. He's just delivering the message very harsh. Well, it is, and also with excuses built in for other teams that he was mentioning. Did he really talk about Detroit? Do we not remember that Detroit got off to an awful start in the first half of last season? Yes. And then turned it on in the second half mm-hmm. and then they still have their original head coach there they still have their offensive coordinator there with ben johnson who was getting head coaching opportunities but decided to stay with detroit because he liked what he had mm-hmm. are we just forgetting that yeah. just the excuses didn't make sense yeah. it's actually not what he's saying is actually not true in the way that you can compare it to carolina so mike lombardi you know take two swing and a miss man you got one more and boy i just won't <laughs> hear have anything else to hear what mike lombardi has to say what else you got for us fitty all right so michael lombardi wasn't the only guy that was critical after week one and double down so was Chris Sims, and on his latest edition of his podcast, Chris Chris Sims Unbuttoned, he said, well, Bryce Young's talent so far through two weeks of the NFL preseason, it's been underwhelming. Bryce Young, I just, I, I don't dislike what I see. Oh, boy. Okay? But I also, <laughs> I, as a fan and as a football guy, and you know me, I go, I, I'd still sit there and go, I can't believe this is the number one pick, Right. And I am a little bit of also, too, at times, like, you know, 50 drunks at the bar or whatever watching, like, and, and, and not that they're always right or whatever, but just, like, my wife's watching. Who is this quarterback? Yeah. This is Bryce Young. This is the first pick. They. This was the first. He's the first pick of the draft, right? I go to the weight room the next day at the Equinox, right? Yeah. I got Johnny Muscles coming up to me. I mean... <sighs> I don't know. Bryce Young, the number one pick? Like, all of a sudden, now that's happening. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I wouldn't feel that great if I was Carolina quite yet. I know reading defenses and feel are all going to be good. But, uh, you know, for the number one pick, the pure physical talent to this point is underwhelming. And, you know, not that he throws the ball nice. It's just that wowing there. He was jumpy in the pocket. He's not. He does not want to hang in there, and that's where we got to see growth. And I want to see where this goes in this department. Well, she good. I got the foul line queued up and ready to go. If you want to go foul line on our man, uh, broke spleen Sims. I do not want to go foul line. Thing that I will say is, you know, I'm no quarterback, but Bryce Young looks like 
has looked like to me that he's done a good job of pocket presence staying in there. But the thing that I will say is that, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out what he's looking for because at this point, you know, Bryce is kind of just taking what the defense gives him at this point. Have they thrown the football down the field to be able to test out that arm and show what the deep ball capabilities capabilities of this offense are? No, they have not. And so that's, I think, a reason why they may be kind of shunning him right now is because they haven't seen an uber-aggressive offense with him throwing it all over the yard, taking deep shots and things of that nature. That's the only reason why I could think that they would say that because if you factor in O-line play with the limited amount of plays that he's been giving, I don't know how you could say that he's looked underwhelming. Sure, the stats, 7 of 12, 56 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, they're not going to blow anybody away. But uh, so that's the only reason I can think of because there hasn't been any chunk plays to really give you that wow factor. Uh-oh. I mean, look, man. <laughs> Apologies to Chris Sims' wife, okay? Apologies to Johnny Muscles going over to Chris in the weight room saying, that's the number one overall pick? You got six series from Bryce Young, and you want to talk about the shortest QB that's ever been drafted number one. And you want to talk about how you haven't seen his physical traits on full display? Yeah. We've been talking about how he doesn't have many. But it's not because of the physical traits that you drafted him number one. It's because the processing was elite, because the accuracy is elite, and right now, I don't see anything against Bryce Young to the point where he hasn't looked like anything other than the QB we saw at Alabama. The offensive line looks different from Alabama. The skill positions, even with it being a little lackluster compared to first-round picks of years past, that looks different than Alabama. But Bryce Young doesn't. What is Bryce Young doing wrong? I ask you again. Bryce Young not hanging in the pocket? Yeah. Wes, did he watch the Jets game? Right. He wasn't in the pocket against the Giants. Because if he was, he'd be sacked. Yeah. What do you – that is dumb, man. Like, are you serious? <laughs> He's not hanging in the pocket against the Giants. You want him to take a hit just so you and Lombardi can talk about how Bryce Young and Frank Reich all need to be fired and benched because he hung in there and took too much of a penalty and took too much physicality? What are you talking about? I can't – neither one of these sound bites make any sense to me whatsoever, and it seems like these guys aren't watching. I, I'm not going to hold it against them that they're not doing the second take Tuesday and watching every single play, but, man, from a former quarterback, I would expect a little better than my wife and Johnny Muscles told me he doesn't yeah, look like the number one yeah. overall pick. I need something yeah, a little bit better, Chris. Yeah, that didn't help his case, man. He could have come with more hardcore analysis than just saying that your wife came in and said that. And I get you saying it for emphasis as far as how he looks and how, you know, maybe he's not showing a, a, a really crazy amount of arm strength when he's throwing these passes. But, yeah, not not good examples by Sims. Some pretty awful takes Fitty came with today. Not Fitty himself, at least. Just played him. But he, he got aroused out of us. It's exactly what he wanted. Fitty's doing a great job from the studio because he managed to anger Braves fans, White Sox fans, and now Panthers fans being mad at somebody else. He's deflected the anger. How are you doing it over there, Fitty? Y'all don't call me the producer for no reason. <laughs> That's right, baby. It's a good one-liner. That's one fitty helping us out for the live wire. That'll do it for an angry segment. I probably should have gone foul line. Some bad it takes been good. from Chris it been fitting. and Mike Lombardi. We're out here at the Rolling Hills Country Club. We're out here at the Joe Moss Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. A lot of fun watching some of these celebrities. Got to see Plaxico Burris. 
goatee off a little yeah. bit. I think I saw Eddie Jordan as well, the former coach of the Washington Wizards. Yes. I think I saw him as well. We'll let you know as we're on Celeb Watch here at Rolling Hills Country Club. A couple more segments to go. It's Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ from the Joe Moss Golf Celebrity Golf Tournament. That is out here at the Rolling Hills Country Club. It's very festive out here. A lot of people are gathering to eat food on what is a very hot day. It's getting hotter. We're benefiting a lot from the shade. Mm-hmm. And luckily, you got some shade, uh, finally. Because, yeah, luckily. Uh, yeah, you came over here and moved the table back. But it's a, uh, it's a dog eat dog world, man. I mean, as soon as we pull up, I saw Wes Joy riding on a golf cart, and yeah. then he comes over here and picks up his book bag that he marked his territory with in the shade. <laughs> I had to go. Excuse me, sir. Can we roll back this table so I can get any shade whatsoever? And then you said, Yeah, I strategically placed my book bag, and I know it was sizzling over there. I was I was hoping you were going to be okay. And we did nothing about it. That's I would have given you part. my I would have given you my vacation hat though. I would have hooked you up. Uh, thank you. If because you would that would have made everything sun. better. Been all in the sun. Yes, the, the hat would have helped a little bit with some sunburn, but we I could have rotated. We could have rotated then. I would have did You didn't it say it then though. Yeah, you didn't, didn't say it then. <laughs> yeah. I'm you, thinking about that as we are pretty much thirty minutes from the show ending, but we could have rotated. Yeah. Every thirty minutes we rotate. I appreciate that. You sit in the sun. By the way, you know, we're we're on celeb watch. I don't know who just walked in front of us, but I believe it looked a lot like Johnny Muscles. I should go ask him if he thinks Bryce Young is ever going to figure it out. Johnny Muscles. All right. Dude. We're talking about the uh, game with the Carolina Panthers and the New York Giants that we had as they prep for the Detroit Lions on Friday. And so Iki Aquanu, who many people are questioning this preseason after uh, giving up some plays on Bryce Young that we don't want to see from a quote-unquote franchise left tackle. But he said in media interviews that quote, I think overall as a unit, we improved. He said as he dressed after that game, obviously, personally, there's a lot of things I want to work on, get better at. So after we saw him give up a massive hit on Bryce Young and then also the confusion that ensued that resulted in a sack 
from the offensive line that Icky and whomever he was supposed to carry out that blocking protection assignment, that, that was their fault on that play. And when you look at the numbers from the game with the Giants, and not all with the starters, but as a team, they gave up 11 pressures, eight hurries, uh, two hits, and one sack. And then I mentioned the aforementioned stat earlier where Chuba Hubbard was stopped on a one-yard gain three times with the starting offensive line as Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams had their way uh, with them from a running perspective. Spencer Brown also had a tough time in the run game, 10 carries for 26 yards. So he had a tough time as well, stopped on a fourth and inches run, to which Steve Smith cracked me up when he talked about how uh, Michael Jordan was getting his lunch taken Mm -hmm. on that play because he did get blown slap up uh, before they made that Hmm. play. So I'm having a little bit of a hard time wondering uh, where Icky may be coming from. I mean, the stats aren't absolutely just egregious when you talk about the sacks allowed and the hits allowed. But still, I thought that Bryce Young was under a fair amount of duress in the couple of uh, in the series that he played in. And then from a running perspective, I thought they just had a very hard time all the way around. So what say you, Walker? Do you feel like Icky might be uh, a little off base here with his assessment of where they're at? Or do you feel like that they did improve in some way? All right. I hate when people do this, but I'm about to be my own worst enemy here because I'm going to answer your question with another question. Okay. How do you feel about this offensive line if Icky Kwanu didn't do what he did? Because Icky was the most egregious person on that offensive line making mistakes, right? Well, eh, I mean... Look, you had two in a row. I mean, it's tough to think of somebody more, uh, somebody that you could point out more than Icky with a miscommunication and with what Icky did getting beat by Kayvon Thibodeau. Now, Chandler Zavala had the holding call, for sure. But I also didn't think that Zavala was totally, I don't think he was... awful, right? I think mm-hmm. he was better than the right guards that were there against the Jets. Mm-hmm. And after that holding call, before that holding call, that was the worst mistake that he had, and it was a big one, mm-hmm. right? That was crunch time. You can't hold, and if you don't, then you pick up what is a fourth and short. That's a big deal. But I'm also like, okay with it a little bit, just because I want you to be able to block and hold your own, and I think he did that for the most part with your assessment, playing average maybe to below average. Icky, having those two mistakes within you know a couple of plays of each other that was the the sequence that i think of as the offensive line being the worst if he doesn't give you that how are you feeling well i still don't feel great about it because bradley bozeman when you take a look at pff he had a 13.1 pass block grade little no, bit lawrence better. threw him around you're right about yeah a little bit better run blocking grade and then a 60 overall and i just thought that like i said just dexter lawrence i know how great of a player he is he, he's one of my favorite players in the league he was when he was in college but it was just the way it looked it was Every snap, Bozeman was going backwards. And that's not what you want to see. I mean, you should be able to at least hold your own to an extent when you're an NFL starting offensive lineman. So I thought that uh, Dexter Lawrence, while putting on a very dominant uh, set of series that he played in, but the way it looked against Bradley Bozeman and Chandler Zavala and those guys trying to deal with him on the inside, just having a very hard time. Leonard Williams on the other side also uh, kept 
catching wreck in there as well. When you want to look at him going up against Brady Christensen and the crew, uh, Taylor Moten wasn't fantastic either. So, yeah, I think this was a, a, a team effort as far as the line not looking the way you wanted it to look. Sure, Icky had the most visible mistakes because that's how it is in the life of a left tackle. Your mistakes are going to be more visible than everybody else's. It wasn't in the first game, though. It was the right guard that was the most visible. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just Icky hadn't been good. And, yeah. and Icky in the first game, too, was very visible because he got beat. This is – you and I both love Icky. Mm-hmm. We want Icky to be successful. We both think he can. We both aren't going to use this as evidence to suggest that he's not going to be a good left tackle in the league. But he's been bad mm-hmm. the first two games. And you don't have a lot of series that you've played. When you're talking about the ones going out there for three series, you're talking about six total series. And Icky, I mean, man, how many plays can we think of? Is it four? In, in the six series that he's played, that's not good. So you're hoping that Icky can shore that up. You're totally right to bring up Bozeman. I am one that believes Dexter Lawrence is just a flat-out beast, and I will give him a lot more grace on that end. You've had... <laughs> it's a hard assignment, no question about it. Quinnen Williams and Dexter Lawrence in back-to-back weeks, Wes. I, I think better football is ahead for Bradley Bozeman when you don't face off against among the higher-paid defensive tackles in all the NFL, and that includes Detroit, by the way. I hope that better football. If he does it against Detroit, then, yeah, I don't think people are going to be as happy to bring Bradley Bozeman back. But I expect better football is ahead of Bozeman. If I'm not mistaken, Bradley Christensen, I think – Brady Christensen, excuse me. I think he was one that had a higher pass blocking grade in this game against the Giants. I know that was someone that we wanted to look at going into week two. We've talked about Zavala. It didn't seem – maybe I'm missing something, but it didn't seem like Moten had any crazy mistakes on the other side. So, yeah, Icky's got to sure that up. Hopefully Bozeman plays better against – tackles that aren't in the top five conversation and you know Detroit certainly not going to bring you the same kind of talent that the Giants and the Jets did yeah and so also too when we go and take a look at this offense I wondered uh, when I sat back and, and pondered what is our assessment of the starting wide receivers to this point when you talk about DJ Chark and Adam Thielen because when you look at them combined this preseason uh, you've gotten four catches between the two of them uh, for 33 yards total and so while it's not a tremendous uh, sample size but still just from what we've seen what we what we think we can see uh, from this unit have you been satisfied with what you've seen from the starting wide receivers thus far yeah I mean I, th- I think I've gone against people having them as the 30th or lower-ranked unit in the NFL. That group is winning in the debate against Walker Mail right now. I don't think the wide receivers have looked great. I thought Mingo. And look, there's not been a ton of opportunity. I think a lot of this is the whole trying to get used to one another. It, this is why you hear all these QBs and veteran wide receivers, especially if a couple guys change teams, they're working together in the offseason, trying to develop chemistry because it matters a ton. That's what Bryce Young was doing with Jonathan Mingo. I believe even a couple of other starters, they were down in Ole Miss. I think that happened during the offseason, but they, SMU, excuse me. So they were out at SMU, and they were trying to figure out, all right, what is the best way to develop some chemistry? It's working with one another, even if it's outside of mandatory, voluntary workouts with the Panthers. And it's going to take a little while before maybe they're on the same page. LaVisca has not been on the same page. Like, we've, we've had a couple of miscommunications that we can point to. Mingo stopping his route when Bryce Young is playing out of pocket, going to the left side. Okay? You keep running, that should be a completion. There was also the time that Steve Smith had that comment about Mingo not or running his route too deep. 
I think they had that comment as well. Same thing that happened to LaVisca in the third down conversion attempt against the Jets in preseason game number one. A couple of deep routes that were deeper than they should have been. And you haven't seen a ton of separation from them, but also how much opportunity have you had? You had a nice hookup with Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst come in with, coming in with a contested catch that Bryce Young delivered on a dime. I'm not crazy worried about it right now because ultimately, once the offensive line hopefully gets things figured out, I think that's going to you know help the offense in its entirety. Yeah, I think you you bring a good point. I, you know, you want to see this offense for a longer period. I feel like the wide receivers, in my opinion, are going to get an incomplete. I mean, as far as what I've seen, it's tough from Adam Thielen. I feel like he looks to be a nice safe target for Bryce. That's going to work the intermediate to short game. DJ Chalk, they haven't tried really any deep balls like that yet for me to really have an assessment of what I think I'll get from him. So for right now, it's going to be incomplete because I really haven't seen him do what you're bringing him in for. He's the deep threat on this offense. TMJ, of course, has been out with the back issue. And then Mingo, I do like a couple of the flashes that I've seen from him, mainly just yeah. the catch and run showing the physicality that he's got. And just even the fact that in 11 personnel, he's that starting third wide receiver. I think that tells me a lot about how he's been doing out there. But just the main starting two, while I don't feel like any, uh, especially an elite defense, is going to uh, be looking like Fright Night when they come out there to line up against them, I feel like they're a decent enough duo. But the key thing is, like you said, that offensive line, can they block, can they hold? Because these wide receivers are going to have to win matchups early and often for this passing game to work if this offensive line is going to be as poor as uh, as what we've seen. And so going to the running game, going back into the backfield, Miles Sanders, we know he's had a couple of seasons where he's only played 12 games. He is a back that has had some injury issues in the past, even though last season he was relatively healthy. But, you know, looking at Chuba Hubbard, what you get there in that backup running back capacity, do we feel like that you trust the run game if Miles Sanders does miss uh, even a short amount of time or significant amount of time this season? No, it's a good question because Chuba played well in the last eight games of last season. Everybody pointed at Deontay Foreman, and he was the better runner. He really helped out once Christian McCaffrey was traded. But Chuba, he helped. Chuba was the guy that they were giving some snaps to, and he delivered at least on the ground. In fact, when we think of Chuba Hubbard, we think about the drops that he had in his rookie season, maybe even earlier on last year in the preseason. I think Chuba had a couple problems. I think he muffed a punt, if I'm not mistaken. I know he had a couple of problems last preseason, but really came on strong, and I had to tip my hat. A couple preseason games here. This is another thing where the offensive line, if they play better, Wes, I, I think everybody's going to look a lot better. I feel a lot more comfortable with Miles Sanders out there, though. I think Miles Sanders is going to be someone that is targeted in the passing game. Mm -hmm. And so if you have Chuba Hubbard out there, who isn't the greatest pass catcher, that's also somebody that's going to help Bryce Young look better. How many wide, how many running back targets have we seen? We saw the one where they were backed up against their own goal line. Chuba Hubbard goes to the right side, and Bryce didn't look anywhere else. Just looked straight to Chuba because he's a little worried about providing a safety for the other team. Other than that, I'm trying to think of anything else, and I can't, I can't remember any Bryce Young targets to a running back. I'd feel a lot more comfortable if Miles Sanders was out there. Good news is... He's a game-time decision, or we're going to see if he plays against Detroit. And I think last week, we didn't think he was going to play at all in the preseason. So it does look, if he doesn't play against Detroit, 
it does look like, at least from what we've heard, he'll be ready in week one. Yeah, I think that uh, this running game with Chuba, I do like Chuba as a backup back, and he's shown uh, the propensity to be able to tote the mail. He's averaging 3.8 yards per carry right now in the preseason. And, again, we just go back to the yeah. O-line play hasn't been as strong as you'd like to see it. So, uh, But we'll see going forward. But a lot of answers uh, we're still waiting on when it comes to this offense that maybe we get a few more answers uh, on Friday, but we'll see. But for now, Fiddy's going to answer the call and mm. give us the last flash of the day. Let's go, baby. Fiddy. Well, some news coming out of the NBA earlier today. The Beard has been fined $100,000 after recent comments. He basically called uh, his GM a liar and then doubled down on calling Daryl Morey a liar. The league launched an uh, investigation into those comments um, and found that the comments that he stated would not accommodate with his contract that he is, of course, under going into the upcoming season and part of the investigation is that they the league actually interviewed Harden himself and so I think that you know he had a couple times to maybe back off of those comments and he didn't ultimately guys do you think James Harden plays for Philadelphia at any point this year or he just forces his way out of another organization he went and screwed up Absolutely not. I don't think he's going to play for them next season. I think that bridge is burned, singed, nothing but ash. You could probably cook burgers on top if you put a grill uh, up under said burger. So, yeah, I think he's mm -hmm. done in Philadelphia, and $100,000 to him uh, is a drop in the bucket. So I'm pocket watch. But, but the thing is, that's why he's so mad at Daryl Morey, because he lost out on what was a ton of money because of the contract decisions that James Harden himself made because of a wink-wink deal that he had with Daryl Morey, and apparently Morey isn't honoring it. But some of the context that comes around here is that James Harden made it very known within inner circles that he might want to go to Houston, and then they spent their money elsewhere. Now James Harden was like, all right, I guess I'll come back to Philly. And it seemed like Maury might be operating at a level where he didn't expect James Harden to come back. And so now it's a huge mess. I think there is a shot that he plays and that they might mend fences, even as bad as it, at, bad as it is right now. Mm. And Wes, it's bad. But I think you have to show up if you don't want to sacrifice even more of what is still a pretty big contract. And so if he doesn't show up, then that's more money lost. And that's the reason that he's mad is because of the money lost. So I don't know. I You're right. It's real ugly right now. And that's a fine uh, prediction to have is that he won't play. I just – if you're so mad about losing out on money and then you don't show up and because of that you lose out on more money – and I, I don't know what the answer is for yeah. James Harden. We'll see. No, but it's fascinating because it is scorched earth up there in Philadelphia as it currently stands. That'll do it for the Fitty Flash. Let's go to the last segment of the day. I got an interesting baseball question for you. It's a what would you have done in this situation type of question. You have to stick around, though, to hear the question. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. 
In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ finishing up our day at the Joe Moss Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament taking place at Rolling Hills Country Club. I got to remind you, go check out the Joe Moss Foundation website, JoeMossFoundation.com. Very simple. They focus on helping children and families in need, animal rescue, and even our hometown heroes throughout the Mecklenburg Union and Stanley Counties. A lot of foundations, they might just focus on one particular area, but the Joe Moss Foundation, they cover everything. They want to make sure that they're helping out as many charitable donations as possible, families, animals, heroes in general, police officers, nurses, veterans, firefighters, emergency medical services specialists. So lots of good stuff that the Joe Moss, uh, Joe Moss Foundation is doing out there. Just go visit their website, JoeMossFoundation.com. And also, if you have any questions, call or text 828-403-5957, 828 403 Five nine five seven to figure out how you can help the foundation. I did have one question I wanted to ask everyone, and I wanted to ask you, Wes, because it didn't show up in a visit to the mound. I thought it might, because there was something interesting that took place over, I think it was a couple of days ago. Okay. Gunnar Henderson, a member of the Cincinnati Reds, had a chance to accomplish a cycle. Had a chance to hit for a cycle, which we've talked about being one of the cooler accomplishments. I don't know if it's one of the hardest, though, because Gunnar Henderson actually had to slow up. Um, oh, excuse me, not a red. I'm sorry. He's an Oriole. I was talking with Colin, and I had reds on the mind. So he's an Oriole. Excuse me. Mm. But, yeah, so a Baltimore Oriole, Gunnar Henderson, had a chance to settle for the cycle. Just could have sat right there on first base because he needed a single to complete one, but he actually legged it out. He hustled. Nothing good comes from hustling. He went to the second base. He got a double instead, and so he didn't technically achieve the cycle. What would you have done in that situation? Would Same you have... thing he did. Okay, so you're you're going all out. You're yeah. making sure you no get doubt. to second base. I'm trying to help my team, man. The, the individual stuff, it's great. I do like individual stuff. Like, don't no, I know you get do. that twisted. That's why I ask you but, the question. But uh, I would definitely leg that out for my team. I'm a team guy. I was an offensive lineman. What okay. do you think I'm going to do? But, but what happens if – you were up by such a large margin because they ended up winning 12-1. So it wasn't one of those things where you needed to make sure you got as many bases as possible. Yeah, if you do it and you're tied or you do it and you're down or even up one, nah, you got to go what, ahead and like that thing out. this? I mean, it would have been late in the game. I don't know what inning it was in, but uh, I think it was top of the eighth. So the Orioles were already up 10-1 to in the top of the eighth. So it's not like taking an extra bag. Really, there's plenty of insurance runs. Mm -hmm. So now that you have the contacts, would you? Okay, yeah, I probably would have <laughs> smiled and exalted. <laughs> right. Uh, what would you have done, Fiddy? Are you making sure you get that double, or are you just hanging out uh, at first base? Yeah, I mean, in a day and time where you're worried about your OPS and stuff like that, it makes sense to go get that second bag. But you're... It's the cycle. It's one of the hardest things to do in baseball. And you're up 10 to 1. I would have sat my ass at first. 
I think I probably would have. Yeah. I don't. I mean, because also, if I'm not mistaken, looking at the play, I, I don't think that people would have clowned him for it. It's not one of those egregious, I'm just going to chill here. He had to hustle to get there. Yeah. So if you just do the classic, look around, you know, you pass first base, uh, I'll, uh, I don't think I can get there, I'll just come back to first, and then you can accomplish the cycle. You could have pulled that off. Yeah, play it off and be like, hey, I, I just didn't think I could get there, you know? But he decided not to, and, you know, look, th- it's honorable. He's a man of integrity, yes. Gunnar Henderson is. So feel free to let us know what you would have done. He was gunning for the second He was. He was indeed. Uh, yeah, 336 said that's a cycle plus more. Two doubles, a triple, a homer, I feel is more impressive. Yeah, but he didn't get one of the parts of the cycle. Like, yeah. you didn't get a single. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying what he did was less impressive, but it is not the arbitrary accomplishment that we try to get. And so we were talking about this with Colin earlier. He's like, okay, if you have a chance to, if you're an assist away from a triple-double, but, I don't know, you're up comfortably, let's say you have a chance to go for something else that's a little bit different, I guess, but we've seen Ricky Davis miss the layup on purpose mm-hmm. in order to get that triple-double. Do you Are you okay with what Ricky Davis did? We saw Giannis do it last year, miss yeah, the layup okay with and intentionally get the I'm rebound. Right that, yeah. So you can just get the arbitrary accomplishment. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel as real. <laughs> I mean, the baseball thing feels because you accomplished it. You had to put that ball in the field of play to go get it. Yeah. But like with Giannis and with Ricky Davis, it's a little cheap. It is. Oh, it's real cheap. Yeah, it's a little. Cheap. I mean, I'm okay with doing it, I guess, to a certain extent, but it doesn't feel like it's in the same stratosphere as what Gunnar Henderson did. Maybe, maybe a rebound. It is very cheap to throw it off and to miss it on purpose. But, you know, if I'm an assist away and, you know, maybe my guy can shoot a three and we're up big late or something like that, I'm here for that. But I think maybe the optics of uh, the, the the fake rebound, mm-hmm. if you will, the replica <laughs> rebound, so, yeah. we'll call it a replica it's so rebound. It's so bad. I think that that doesn't look very good. Uh, I like Panther Cliff's take on the text line. He said, shouldn't have saved a single for last. So, <laughs> like, just go ahead. Yeah. That's a great point. It's such a great point. If he was really that good, that he would have just gone in order, single, double, triple home run, and you know what you could have done. But instead, he had the single last and missed out on what was an awesome opportunity. Here's the other thing we were also talking about, kind of like faux accomplishments. What about... Brett Favre allowing Michael Strahan to get the single-season yeah, sack record. So you don't like that one? It, I mean, it, it looked bad. I still think Strahan probably could have gotten him uh, had it not happened. But, yeah, that one just didn't look good. For a record-breaking accomplishment, you wanted to be some type of hard feat where you really had to work to get it. And for him, especially a guy's hard nose as Brett Favre, he didn't have a reputation as a soft guy. For him to just go down like that, yeah, that, that didn't look great. All right, I love Jarvis's take on the text line. He said the real weasel move would have been to get thrown out at second. That is such a good point. So <laughs> you you act like you put the effort in and then slow up a little bit at the end and then get thrown out at the very – I love everything about Jarvis's take on the text <laughs> line. Just hustle, but then get thrown out and then move on back, and then it's a single that turned into, you know, uh, turned into a cycle anyway. I'm cool with that. Yeah, that, that would have been good too. That would have been good from Jarvis. All right, that'll do it for Wesson Walker, live from the Rolling Hills Country Club for the Joe Moss Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. It's hot. We're going to go get some turkey meatballs that have been staring at us for a long time. We're also going to get bottles of water, maybe bottles of something else. 
Who knows? <laughs> it might be that kind of day. Big thanks to Joe Moss for helping us out. Again, people, go check out www.jomossfoundation.com to find out how you can help. And if you have any questions, call or text 828-403-5957. Plenty of ways that you can help out the Joe Moss Foundation that helps out so many groups, a part of multiple counties across the local area. Weston Walker handed it off to the Kyle Bailey Show down at the Planet Kia Studios alongside Smoke Ludwig. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.